The Rich and Mike Show, Flagler County's hometown sports show. Here are your hosts, Rich Carroll and Mike Leishio. Yes, this is another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Good Saturday morning, Flagler County. And a good Saturday morning to you, Mike Leishio. A good Saturday morning indeed. It's playoff Saturday morning, Rich. Aren't we ready? Aren't we excited about the playoffs? The NFL playoffs. And I'll get your opinion on this right away. We got a lot of local stuff to get to. And we haven't done this this year because we do we have extensive local sports coverage here on the Rich and Mike Sports Show. But we're gonna start a little friendly competition with the picks on the NFL playoffs. And that's gonna start with wild card weekend. And for my money, Mike. Uh, I really believe that wild card weekend in the NFL might be the best weekend in sports all year long because you get all the games. It's extremely exciting. It's it's wall to wall NFL action, all meaningful games. And I don't know, for my money, like I said, I think it's the best weekend in sports. Oh, it definitely is. You've got three days of football. I wasn't sure I was going to like when they added a seventh playoff team in each conference, but since it gives us now a third game from each conference, on wild card weekend, I love it. Even the Monday night game. That's a yeah. The Monday night game. Uh, I'm pumped up about that one. There's not a bad <laughs> apple in the bunch. I mean, maybe Pittsburgh, Buffalo, but uh, every game is very interesting here. So, and that's kind of the plight of sports. If you think about it, you talk about adding the the, the seventh playoff team. Uh, we talk about it with baseball all the time, adding the extra teams. Has it watered down the playoffs? Has it made the regular season meaningless? The NBA with the play-in tournament now, uh, and it doesn't. And and college football adding the the twelve teams next year. Uh, you know, what do you think about the the expansion of playoffs in all sports, Mike? I don't think everything is equal. I think it's different from sport to sport. Uh, for instance, I think it's great for college football. I, I think finally we're going to get a real playoff system in that sport, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm excited about it. Uh, but I do think it hurts baseball. It, it, when you have 162 games and you marginalize the regular season in that way and, and you have a lot of organizations now basically telling you, you know what, we don't have to win the division. Let's win 85 to 88 games, get in the playoffs, and anything can happen. And as we've seen, anything does happen. Look at how much money the Dodgers spend, and they haven't won a championship. And don't give me the that uh, COVID year shortened. How many games was it? 60 games. To me, there, there's not a, a there. There's a huge asterisk there because. It's just uh, I, I don't look at it as a real MLB, MLB season. To me, that was the tournament season, and that's the year LA won. But they all the money they spend, they can't get it done in a real regular season. Um, so I think it hurts baseball. The NFL, the, 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 uh, the extra regular season game and the extra player, I, I think it still works. Uh, so I, I think it helps the NFL as well. Um, the play-in tournament with the NBA – I was skeptical, but I actually love it. So, uh, I guess the only sport I think it's hurting is Major League Baseball. What's your thoughts on that? I completely agree with you on baseball and football. On the NBA, I think you're over-diluting it because when you had 16 teams getting in, you had teams with losing records getting in at least usually – Every other year, if not every year, there's a team with a losing record in the playoffs. And now you're inviting the opportunity to have three or four more teams join them. So I worry that in the NBA, it's over-diluting the playoffs as well. You still do have to get to that play-in spot. It's still pretty difficult, unlike baseball, where 
if you basically get over 500, you've got a good chance of getting to the postseason. But I do think it's a little too much in the NBA. And maybe it's just maybe it's the old man in me. Maybe I just don't like the gimmickiness of a play and just like I don't like the in-season tournament. Maybe maybe times just pass me by, Rich. There you go. There's the bonus question I was thinking of. Uh, what about the in-season tournament? I came into the regular season like, what the heck is this? And uh, how do you get into this? And and to be honest, uh, while it was going on, I struggled to understand exactly how they were figuring out who's winning this thing and how it works. And all I, I know is when I saw that weird, ugly court, it was a, a an in-season tournament game. But when you got down to the the big games and and to the to the championship games, I have to admit, and you know when the Knicks played a, a big game in the in season tournament, I, I perked up a little bit and I was a little more interested. And that's not to say, oh, this means so much and let's hang a banner. Like I believe the Lakers hang they they hung up a banner for for the for the in season tournament, which everybody has their own opinion on that. I think it's laughable, but uh, you know, but then again, who knows, maybe three, five years from now, it really does mean a lot and people care. Uh, But I I will admit, and I'm still skeptical about it and I'm not sure about the in-season tournament, but you cannot say that it wasn't a success because a lot of people were into it uh, and it was, you know, for me who wasn't into it to begin with. and, And I thought it was dumb uh, I actually did get get follow it, and and you know I was quicker to get in front of my TV on those tournament nights. I feel like it was everything that the NBA hoped it would be. Again, I didn't get too into it. I thought it was ludicrous that the Lakers would hang a banner for that, <laughs> but I have a feeling that was more of a directive right. than a than a choice for them to do so. You know, the games were great, though. It was great basketball. Whether you were into the format or not, it was a lot of great basketball. The players bought it, which I think is the most most important part for it to be successful, is the players, for the most part, really bought in and were really competing. They weren't just looking at it as, well, this is just another game in November. You know, let's just kind of play ourselves into the season. No, those guys were going for it just like it was an actual playoff format. So in that respect, it definitely was a success. It was it was heavily watched. The games were good. I think the NBA got exactly what they wanted to get out of it, and they'll probably tweak a few things, and that's going to happen with anything new. You're going to say, okay, well, this is the first time we did it. How can we do it better? But overall, I would agree. I think it was a complete success for the NBA. Yeah, and I think that that's the biggest thing. They have to find a way to make it more coherent. I have to understand what's going on. And even when, when I was watching some of these games, the announcers, they struggled to really explain what I was watching. So hopefully they could get that all together next year. And I agree. I think the banner scenario had to be an NBA mandate. That you got to hang up this banner. And it just, uh, like you said, it seems ridiculous that – the, especially the Lakers end up winning it, it seems ridiculous that you would hang up that banner next to all the Kobe Shaq championships, you know, the Magic Johnson championships, the Showtime Lakers, all that amazing stuff. You know, uh, it, it's just, uh, it seems ridiculous that you would hang up that that uh, um, in-season tournament banner next to all those legendary teams. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it is what it is. So, and, and I, I do think it will grow, and it's just part of this global phenomenon that the NBA has become. And 
it seems like everything uh, Silva does turns to gold. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that, and and it, it's it definitely is shaping up to be an exciting NBA season here as we approach the All Star break. All right, so that's all that, and we are going to have some NFL picks here. Wild card weekend, super pumped up. Some great games today, tomorrow, and Monday. But uh, let's get a little local flavor here, Mike. What's going on? Well, the Matanzas Pirates and the FPC Bulldogs ladies soccer teams met at FPC on Monday night in a rainy night. It was a nice night for soccer. Pretty good turnout from the community as well as the student body at FPC. But the game left a little to be desired. FPC won the first meeting against Matanzas 3-0. It was the only loss of the season to that point for the Pirates. And FPC came out to make a statement. Laura Lee McLeod, a freshman who has really stood out, she's now the second-leading scorer on the team, had two goals early. They got it to 3-0 at halftime, and then the assault began in the second half. It was a 5-0 advantage in the second half. And with 2.2 seconds, Aaron Hughes scored the eighth goal of the night, eight goals, eight, eight, an eight-goal lead is the mercy rule in high school soccer. So, with 2.2 seconds left, FPC was able to end the game by mercy rule and win 8 nothing. And I think that's not a reflection on Matanzas. I think this is a Matanzas young, a young Matanzas team who's still 8-2 and two at this point in the season and still going in the right direction. Um, Scott Clark has done a great job with that team. But FPC got all their bullets back. You know, everybody has returned except for Savannah O'Grady for them and it showed, and they felt like they left some opportunities out there on the first meeting and took advantage of those opportunities Tuesday night or Monday night. Other soccer news, the FPC boys soccer team, they have been on fire. They got off to a slow start. They lost two of their first three. Since then, 12-1, and one, including another win on Thursday night against Tokoy. They are going to be in the five-star tournament against University High School today, trying to get their 10th straight win. This is their best start since 2014. This is an FPC team that might do some damage in the postseason. We had some basketball. I was out on Monday night at the FPC girls game. They have won five out of six. George Butts' team is really getting going led by freshman and former Gamble Rogers Stingray great. You knew I was going to say it. <laughs> Ava Works, as well as sophomore Allie Connerton and Kaylee Mack, a senior. They've really started to come together, and they are on a roll. It was a quiet week in boys basketball, Rich, and I know we've. it's not going to be a quiet week next week for sure. You know, Matanzas played early in the week, and an FPC had their game against Orange Park postponed until Wednesday night, a game that we were supposed to broadcast on Tuesday. And now they'll head into this weekend with some MLK weekend tournaments. But all eyes are on Wednesday night, Rich. Oh, my goodness. We are pumped up about Wednesday night. The battle for Beltaire, the first ever broadcast of this game. Matanzas Pirates at FPC at the Anderson Gym. And, you know, for years now, Mike, we have uh, had the uh, privilege of broadcasting the Potato Bowl. And that's always exciting. This game uh, boys basketball game has, is really shaping up to be an exciting one. And yes, we will have coverage Wednesday night. You can watch the live stream 
on the Flagler Radio YouTube channel. You can watch it on the WNZF Facebook page. You can listen to it on the radio on this station, WNZF 94.9 FM. And the audio stream will also be available on the Flagler Radio app. So we will have the game. And as I said, it's shaping up to be really, I don't know what to make of this game. You have two teams that seem to be going in opposite directions. You have the Matanzas Pirates, who have won five of their last seven games. You have the FPC Bulldogs, who have lost five of their last seven games. And, you know, watching the Pirates lately, they they just seem so impressive. They have so many guys on this team that can put the ball in the basket and not just put the ball in the basket, but put the ball in the basket from distance. You know, you, you, you look at Ryasir Jefferson and, of course, Tariq Shakir and uh, and Henry Robinson Jr. can can knock it down from deep and throw it down uh, right at the basket, as we saw his record-breaking dunk night with the game we covered last week. So, um, you know, the, the Pirates, they have what looks like a big three, and they really have turned their season around uh, winning five of their last seven games. For the Bulldogs, it's kind of gone in the opposite direction where they played really well early uh, and, and they've lost some games. So one more game for both teams uh, today, this afternoon, as you mentioned, the the uh, MLK tournament for uh, Matanzas, Halifax Academy for FPC, they, they got them. So uh, I think uh, this is really shaping up to be an incredible game. And we've seen the good and the bad from both teams this year. But the Pirates, Mike, they are definitely the team coming into this game with momentum. They certainly are. Now, in FPC's defense, those losses have come against some very good teams, a very good Nice team, a very good Father Lopez team. Orange Park has 10 wins on the season. So they've come against good teams. The biggest change for Matanzas, I think, you know, we've seen Ryasir Jefferson emerge. But I think on the defensive end, I feel like they're a much better team defensively than they had been earlier in the year. And, you know, the role players have figured out their roles and they're turning defense into offense. That was the key to the game we did last week where it was a five-point game at one point because they were not shooting the ball well, but they, you know, early on against Richview, but then they got the offense, I mean, other than Jefferson, who was brilliant from the start. But they gave themselves so many extra opportunities by creating turnovers, by creating pressure that, you know, they were able to withstand the dry spell shooting that I think earlier in the year might have spelled trouble for them. Now for FPC, again, I think we're starting to see that they're going against teams that have pretty good front courts. And I think that's starting to rear its ugly head because the one thing I say about FPC is they don't lack talent. They lack size. They don't have many players over six feet tall on the roster and they play above their height and they do a good job, but I think it's caught up to them in some of these games. And that's going to be the interesting thing to see them do against FPC when they have guys like Henry Robinson in the front court, Alex Davis. I don't know for sure if he'll be back, but He's trending on being back, so we'll see if he comes back. The 6'9 sophomore center. Peter Austin at 6'4. Dave Peterson at 6'4. Ladarian Baker at 6'5. They can throw a lot of size at you up front and create some mismatch problems, and I think that's going to be a big key to the game is FPC being able to work against a big front. And we've seen them do it. We saw it in person when they went against 
when they went against who was it? It was the Atlantic. Right. Was who it was. Yep. I was trying to think who it was. We, we it's been so long, but Atlantic went to a big lineup in the second half, and FPC was able to have a lot of success against it. So that's going to be the key to that game, and I think. The other key is for FPC just to have a little more consistency on offense. Sometimes, you know, they, they their offense, Jameer Clark is the is their offense, and he is a talented player. But, you know, he's going to need a little help on Wednesday night for sure. Yeah, that's that's what, what I'm looking at. And you mentioned, yeah, I definitely think what we've seen from the Pirates is they become more of a team, and, and that defensive intensity, Micah McGuire, is so much fun to watch out there. He has endless energy, and he can defend on the perimeter. He can rebound. He can run the court. Uh, so I've really been impressed with what I see from him on the defensive end. He's the type of guy you need when, you're other, when you have three scorers like Shakir Jefferson and Robinson, Michael McGuire out there doing that. You, you know, uh, same thing with uh, Desmond Lewis Godwin. He's been out there running the floor, playing defense, rebounding. Peter Austin, uh, you know, so, you know, Dade Peterson, as you mentioned, if they, and if they ever – ever get uh, Alexander Davis back man they would they got the size they have scores you got to be impressed with the talent that uh, that they're sending out there in the Matanzas Pirates and we saw some of that as well with uh, with FPC early in the year you know we saw Nation Royal doing everything on the court he could score he can defend he can rebound we saw him all over the court as well Anthony Hampton another guy who can get at it on the boards, maybe a little undersized, but he's able to get the rebounds and 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 do the dirty work. You know, there are a couple of guys on that FPC team as well. Corinthians Watson, he could mix it up underneath as well. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely think, and as you mentioned, Jameer Clark, he's the guy that you look at who can run the offense, who can score when you need a basket if you're FPC. But watching both these teams, I, I, I've really look at Jameer Clark as the one weapon they can count on to score baskets in clutch situations. When I look at the Pirates, they have three guys that can go off at any moment. So Pirates definitely have the advantage offensively, I feel. But the the, the Bulldogs, they can mix it up defensively. And as you said, they, they may be undersized, but they play, they play bigger than they actually are sometimes. So I think we're going to have... Uh, a really close, incredible game. I think that this is the type of game that could really propel either program. If the Bulldogs go in, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, Bulldogs have struggled. But if the Bulldogs go in there Wednesday night and they beat the Pirates, maybe that can propel them the rest of the season to start winning some games, give them confidence, and get them on the right track. And with the Pirates, if they win this game, yeah, sky's the limit with the talent, the, the offensive talent that's on that team. They would have incredible confidence coming off a win against FPC at FPC's gym. And, you know, who knows what's possible going from there. Maybe the end of the season on a big winning streak, getting the playoffs, the whole thing. So who knows? But uh, what I do know is it's going to be incredibly exciting. You have two teams with the same record. They're both 6-9. Uh, and nine. So uh, right now, anyway, we'll see what happens after the games today. But uh, really, it's just it's shaping up to be so much fun, a great game. And I'm really excited that we're able to bring it to you with extensive coverage that really has not been available ever in the history of the county. Again, just one last time, Wednesday night, 730 at the Anderson Gym. 
the Battle for Beltaire, the Matanzas Pirates at the FPC Bulldogs. You can watch the game on the Flagler Radio YouTube channel. You can watch it on the WNZF Facebook page. Listen on the radio, 94.9 FM, this radio station, News Radio WNZF, and the audio feed will also be available on the Flagler Radio app. So we're pumped up to bring that to you. And also, uh, well, let's move on here. I wanted to, how about this before we get to the picks, Mike? How about the coaching carousel that has emerged in the NFL? Bill Belichick, I, I can't believe it. Over 20 seasons or around there, the six, uh, the, the six Super Bowl championships, uh, all the appearances, and he's out in New England. Pete Carroll, greatest coach of all time for Seattle, led them to their first ever championship. Uh, he's out in Seattle. Uh, even a, a guy like, like Vrabel, you know, he's had some, some success in Tennessee. He's out there. You know, he actually made Ryan Tannehill watchable, which uh, being a fan of, of, of the AFC East and having to watch the Dolphins those years, Tannehill was the quarterback there. That's an incredible accomplishment, in my opinion. Even look at the college level. Who knows? Rumor is that maybe Jim Harbaugh, he's destined to be an NFL coach next year. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, so many uh, uh, coaches that, not just coaches, but you know, upper level coaches, guys that you would feel really good about handing the keys over uh, of your franchise to with all that going on, Mike, your team, my team, the New York Jets say, nah, we're good. We got Robert Sala next year. We don't need to look for a coach in a year where this historic crop of great coaches is available. And don't get me wrong. There's no way Belichick would ever coach the Jets. So I'm not talking about him, but in a year where, where, where there are so many coaches that our great coaches come available and you got your owner, Woody Johnson, off of another collapse. You possibly have one of the worst head coaches in the NFL, yet we're going to double down on him. And I and you know, I was saying last year, this guy should be fired last year. And we got to watch another season of Robert Sala and what makes it worse. All these guys are available. It's just, it's disgusting, Mike. I, I can't understand how the Jets are not pursuing one of these guys. Because they're the Jets. This is a tough year to be the up-and-coming coordinator that's in line for a head coaching job because, as you talked about, Mike Vrabel was the first domino to fall, and then Carroll, and then Belichick, and everybody's assuming that Jim Harbaugh, me included, is assuming that Jim Harbaugh is going to the NFL. So this is not the time to be that up-and-coming coordinator because with a crop like that, to your point, there are owners of the other 30, uh, 24 teams who have not fired their coaches. There are owners in that group of 24 who said their coaches are safe that are taking a long look at right now at what's available and saying, do I really want to stay with this guy? A hundred percent. Except for except for Woody Johnson. Yeah, except for Woody Johnson, which is outrageous because you got one of the worst head coaches in the league. It's 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 unbelievable. Yeah, if, if the Eagles somehow get knocked out here by the Bucks, they might be looking at a Belichick or somebody. You, you never know. And it's true. The Giants with Dable two seasons, you know, one very good, one horrible. Maybe they they. <laughs> part ways you never so yeah i that's a great point there are a lot of teams that were good but now you look at the guys available and you say well uh maybe we have to think about this so uh, fascinating situation developing there with the head coach situation the guys that have uh and i mean to me you gotta 
not that he would ever come here. There are jobs more appealing like the Chicago Bears. But if you're the Jets, you would have to move heaven and earth to get Jim Harbaugh in here, wouldn't you? How are we good with this? The Jets have been terrible two straight years. They collapsed. They were four and three. They can't win a game after that. And don't give me uh, backup quarterback Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They they get 10 wins. They have no quarterback play. It's ridiculous. So uh, anyway, (laughs) speaking of – go ahead, Mike. Just real quick, where do you think out of the 32 head coaches at the beginning of the season, in career winning percentage, where do you think – Robert Saller ranks among those 32 head coaches. As, as far as ranking with head coaches, the team started the season. So I'm not counting interim coaches in this. I'm only counting coaches who started the season with the team. I mean, he's got to be at the bottom 30. You nailed it. Dennis Allen and Matt Eberflus are the only coaches. Or excuse me, he's 29th. Uh, I can't count. <laughs> Dennis Allen, Matt Eberflus, and Jonathan Gannon are the only coaches with a lower winning percentage than Robert Sala in the NFL right now. Yeah, and Eberflus, he's the he's the Chicago coach, right? So yeah, uh, and they showed some promise at the end of the year, at least. You know? Same with Arizona. Jonathan Gannon in Arizona showed a lot of promise as well. Yeah. Dennis Allen, eh, I think Dennis Allen. I think the Benson family is a little too loyal to him yeah. for what he did as Sean Payton's defensive coordinator. Otherwise, I think Dennis Allen would be gone. And that's another team where I've got to think about. One coach who won six Super Bowls, another coach who won a Super Bowl and coached in two, Jim Harbaugh, who coached in the Super Bowl. You're talking about guys who combined have coached in 12 Super Bowls out there. You've got to kick the tires, don't you? Oh, you have to. I, I don't get it. It's it's a disgrace. The, the, I, I'm not telling, I'm not breaking any news here. The New York Jets are a disgrace. All right, here we go. The first annual Rich and Mike Sports Show NFL Playoff Picks Wild Card Weekend. Friendly competition here. Uh, let's start with, uh, we got the Cleveland Browns minus two at the Houston Texans, Mike. Big fan of C.J. Stroud, but I'm rooting for the Browns because I feel like anything that makes the Jets' front office looks worse, <laughs> I'm fine with right now. It's going to be loud and rocking, but it's also the first playoff game for a lot of these players. Houston's a very young team. Give me Cleveland plus two, uh, minus two. Yeah, Houston's not ready. Shroud has been incredible this year. I think he's the first ever rookie quarterback to 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 lead the NFL in touchdown to interception ratio. He really has been great, but I don't think they're ready. I think the Browns, that defense is for real. They have a Super Bowl winning quarterback in Joe Flacco, uh, which again, as a Jet fan, head exploding. Uh, yeah, there and, and he has weapons. I'm I'm gonna go with the Browns in this one for sure. All right, so uh, Saturday night. Uh, the game is on Peacock, by the way, which is another disgrace, but we don't have enough time to get into that one. Uh, and this is a great game. Dolphins, they just couldn't beat a good team this year. And instead of having a home playoff game as a division winner, they got to travel to uh, KC tonight and take on the Chiefs. And I, what did I forgot what it, it's going to be like minus four degrees out there. So uh, you got the Kansas City Chiefs favored by four and a half. And I don't think there's any shot in the world the Dolphins win this game. Patrick Mahomes is not going out in the first round. So I'm going to take the, the Chiefs, Mike. I looked and I saw a minus two, but that was the weather. So they've currently got the game time forecast at minus two. Talk about a loss for the Dolphins. 
if they had won, they would be playing at home at one o'clock on Sunday, where it'd be 77 degrees. So we're talking about a 79 degree difference. They can't overcome that. Give me the Chiefs. I'll give the four and a half and we'll move on. All right. Unfortunately, we cannot analyze too much going forward. We have 60 seconds left. So uh, you've got the Buffalo Bills minus 10 at Pittsburgh, Mike. Uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. I think Buffalo wins the game, but I'm going to take the Bills. I'm going to take the Steelers plus 10. Steelers plus 10. I'm going to take Buffalo minus 10. Okay, that's an interesting difference there. You think the Steelers are going to keep it close. Moving on, you got the Packers at Dallas. Dallas minus 7. Dallas undefeated at home. I don't think that changes. Give me the Cowboys. Same thing for me. Dallas, we're going to go to uh, the Motor City. Detroit minus 3 against the Rams. This is the toughest game out of all of them. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Detroit. I'm going to regret it, but I'm going to go with Detroit. They're the Lions, Mike, and they're playing a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Donald is going to be sacking Goff. I'm going all the way LA. LA wins the game. They've been too hot at the end of the season. And finally, the Eagles on the road. They've been awful. Started the season 10 and 1, lose 5 of their last 6 games. They're at Tampa Bay, but they are favored by three. Give me the upset. Give me the bucks. Whoa, big upset pick. Wow, Mike. I'm going Philadelphia. So it is NFL wild card weekend. Extremely exciting. As I said, best weekend in sports. Don't forget the battle for Beltair Wednesday night. Matanzas at FPC on the WNZF Sports Network. That's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Have a great weekend, Flagler County.